All right, DJ and PK, time to welcome in Riley Jensen, our college football insider. Riley, good morning. What's happening, guys? It's all about the Cougars in the New Year's Six. 13th now, up from 14th. Are they being treated fairly? Will anybody play them on December 19th when a lot of teams will be idle? Because there'll be some teams in conference title games, but there'll be some uh, there'll be some teams available. What do you think? Where's this headed? Um, I I personally feel like this is headed in the wrong direction. Now that's just a gut feeling. Um, I don't think it's right. I think it's I, I think this is a very good football team. And really, when you when you think about this and you start thinking about the reasons that they're holding this against BYU for strength of schedule. They couldn't do anything about that. They couldn't do anything about that. And I just don't think that a New Year's Six Bowl costs them that much cachet with BYU, nor does it cost them gate or eyeballs, as BYU has, you know, eyeballs around the country, to put them in a New Year's Six Bowl to kind of to kind of put a cherry on top of this season for BYU. I just don't understand the thoughts and the hopes of, of keeping them out. I, I don't get it. it it feels different to me than it does with other teams. It feels like every other team's getting every opportunity to get in into that scenario that's similar to BYU and that BYU's having everything used against them to keep them out. So we had on David Nixon, a former BYU linebacker, does media work for BYU television. He was talking about how uh, this exposure that they've gotten right now has been pretty good, and it's helped recruiting, and he, rec- he uh, referenced a kid at Tempview that uh, committed here uh, over the weekend, I guess, uh, a defensive player. Uh, my thought for you, since you're involved in this, is how much su- does the su- immediate success play into what kids decide ultimately about where they want to play? Well, I think, I think any success right now uh, on, a, on a national level for BYU is helpful. So just the fact that they're being talked about whether it's good or bad, what's the old, you know, P.T. Barnum-Bailey quote? I don't, I don't care what you say about me. Just make sure you spell my name right. I think, I think the publicity for BYU is all good right now, whether it's, oh, they shouldn't be in, they should be in, all those sorts of things. And you have to remember, you know, when I'm working with college athletes, a lot of them are, are born in, in 2002, right, 2003, their earliest memories of football might be the University of Utah in the 2008 Sugar Bowl. Now, that doesn't seem very long ago to us, but to someone who's being recruited and someone who is thinking about where they're going to play college football, it helps for them to see BYU in a national light because up to this point, it's been all, all University of Utah, especially in this state, and, and I, think that's an important, I think that's an important thing for BYU I do think the Logan Fano kid that you're referring to at, at Timview, I feel like he was a BYU guy no matter what. I mean, if you look into his background, you look into to a lot of different things, I think he was a BYU guy. But I don't think David Nixon's wrong in the sense that this is going to be good for recruiting for BYU. Riley Jensen, college football insider, uh, joining us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Uh, how well, um, how well vetted is this year's recruiting class going to be? And how much is this going to be a free for all coaches are hoping they hit it right. Maybe taking smaller classes because they haven't had a chance to evaluate players in a lot of uh, cities and a lot of States uh, on the field this year. 
Well, I think if, if you're if you're to look at what's going on and what I'm seeing, and, and this is just from the outside looking in, right, uh, there's lots of really, really good football players being offered preferred walk-ons right now in the class of 2021. And really the victim of, of COVID-19 right now is this, this class, the senior class. And, you know, a lot of the players in the state of Utah got a chance to play. That helped some of them. I think it helped Jackson Dart tremendously uh, from Cora Canyon High School when he's the only one. Uh, that they can really look at for like the first three weeks of the season. Then he plays on national TV against Bingham and plays well. But I think for the most part, there's a lot of players that I think are really good football players in the state of Utah that are not being offered Division One, not being offered to Weber State and these schools, uh, you know, in Southern Utah, and they're they're offering them preferred walk-ons. So what I think is going to be a result of this this class and and what happens is. They're offering them preferred walk-ons that allows them a little bit of an adjustment with their senior class, and then what they can do is they can offer them scholarships later um, if they pan out to be what they thought they were going to be, um, which is a risk because not every kid can afford to do that. Not every kid wants to do that. Not every kid is going to believe you when you say that that's the plan. But to me, just looking at it, I think there's going to be less offers than there's been in a long time in the class of 2021, and that's not because they're not as good as they've been. Um, and it and and I think you're going to see lots of really cool stories like walk on from Sandy, Utah, walk on from Salt Lake City, Utah. Amazing story how he walked on, but it won't be as amazing as we thought because I think some of these coaches were like, "Hey, listen, we just." here can you come as a preferred walk-on and then you know as soon as you start playing well we're going to get you back on scholarship so will that extend into next year too so the juniors would be affected in the same way that the seniors are now it depends on what happens in the next three months four months um i didn't see what happened on the vote but there was a vote with the ncaa saying uh, that there would be a blackout period through April, right? That hurts next year's class because that that is the time where a lot of these college coaches go to see if a kid passes the eyeball test. So they'll get junior film, they'll look at it, they'll say, God, this guy looks pretty good. I got to get my eyeballs on him, see if, see if he looks the part, see if he moves like we think he moves in person when he's doing his weightlifting class agilities or He's playing on the basketball team. They go to observe him. And so, yeah, it could really hurt some kids if if that vote happens and if COVID and the vaccine and all the different things that are going on um, don't accelerate, you know, some return to normalcy. I don't know that we're ever going back to what we were, but some some return to a place where kids can get looked at. I mean, it's such a huge deal to college coaches. I'm not sure that I believe in it, but – there's no question that when you talk to a college coach, he has to get his eyes on him. He's not going to offer him without seeing him in person. The Utes lost at Washington. I think to the average fan, they looked better. Certainly the 21-point lead will get fans uh, fired up, but then the second half went all wrong, and there were four more turnovers. Do you see them improving? Do you have a lot of hope for them? Are you uh, face palm to the forehead over all the turnovers, and that trumps everything? What are you thinking? I actually thought they got better last game. 
and I, and I thought I saw signs that that this team could be that, that they could evolve into what they want to be. Look, it's not it's not the best product that Utah's put on the field in the last four or five years. But when I look at it, I feel like there's a lot of young talent, and I feel like a lot of the mistakes are young mistakes. So I don't feel like they're – I feel like some of the turnover stuff, I feel like some of the mistakes that are being happened uh, – that are happening are, are more like, okay, he's young in the program, he's still learning what to do, he's still learning that when he makes a great run and breaks a tackle and gets outside, he's really got to protect the football because that's when people are looking to get the football out of your hands – um, you know, this guy gets beat here or beats beat there on a, on a pass play because his eyes were in the wrong place. That's a young mistake. But I think this is an extremely athletic team. I think this is a team that in a year or two is going to be right back to where Utah's been for a long time. And I don't, I, I, I just don't feel like there's any need for concern or worry for the University of Utah. In fact, you know, and, and we talked about this on this show a few weeks ago. I, mean, I don't know why you just don't try out a whole bunch of dudes and not worry about this season. Kyle's not going anywhere. He signed an extension. Make this your spring ball. Make this your, uh, you know, your your opportunity to build as much depth and build as many players as you can, and then really know who you have going into next season. I, I mean, I think there's four bowl games in the Pac-12 that have been canceled now. I mean, what? What are, what are you playing for at this point other than to get ready for next year, in my opinion? And I, I don't know that that's the attitude that Kyle will take or the, or the one that he should take, but in some ways I'm just like, does this season matter at this point? Does it, does it really matter to a lot of teams? I mean, there, it, it does matter to a few teams, and there are a few teams that are competing for a national championship or for bowl games that are going to pay a lot of money, but how, mu- how much does it really affect them to, to, to build for next season? And I'm not saying it because you need to throw your hands up in the air like the season's over. I'm just saying you have enough depth and you have enough players that you could just really like put some guys in some difficult situations and see how see how they respond mentally and physically to these situations. Do you know if Utah has offered this Corner Canyon quarterback? Uh, you're talking about Jackson Dart? Yeah. I'm not sure. I'm not. I'm, I'm not positive on that. Um, you would think. You would think that if they they were going to offer him, that they were to offer him, you know, so that everybody knows and that everything's you know out in the public after what happened uh, with the last quarterback and Zach Wilson uh, right. and the la- you know with Tuttle and all that. Kind of, you'd hope that the lesson would be learned. Like, hey, if you really want a kid, you should offer him. Don't don't keep it on the down low. Don't do anything like that. Just offer him and and let the kid that is the one that's willing to compete be the one that stays in your program. Um, to me, that's what I was going to ask you was, about your thoughts on just offering one quarterback and being married to that one because he won't come if you offer somebody else. You know, it, it kind of depends on how good you think he is. I mean, clearly in the past, the University of Utah thought that Tuttle was going to be great, and, and that hasn't been the case. Um, I just think it's too hard. I think there's so many variables that go into the quarterback position that it's way too hard to just offer one guy and say, like, yeah, you're, yep, we're going to hitch our wagons to you because we know that you're going to be good. I, there's just way too much stuff mentally, physically, emotionally – 
um, academically that goes into playing that position leadership-wise as a quarterback that I don't know why you wouldn't want to offer more than one quarterback in every class and see which one has the moxie and isn't scared to compete and says, yeah, I'm in. I'm in. Bring it on. You know, you know what I mean? I, the, the one thing that I get concerned about, and, and because I'm associated with my own camp, Mountain West Elite, I'm, I'm part of the problem. So, I, I, so, so this is ironic that I'm saying this, but one of the things that I, that I think is a problem is the quarterback position has kind of been turned into the AAU thing, right, where they're coddled a little bit, they're brought along, they're, they're thought of, like, if you go to this camp or this camp, you're going to have a, you're gonna have an opportunity to get a scholarship to that camp or that camp or to this school or this school. And I just don't like the way that looks. I don't like the way that feels at the quarterback position. You know, even back as far as 22 years ago when I was playing quarterback, I mean, everybody calls a quarterback a prima donna. And I, I was always fighting that stigma. I was always fighting that that process of like, hey, I'm here to work. I'm here to work with you guys, to play with you guys. Don't, 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 don't fall for any like preconceived stereotypes that I'm a that I'm a, a prima donna. And the and the current situation is ten times worse or twenty times worse than when I played for labeling a quarterback as a prima donna because they really are coddled. I mean, you look at Jake Heaps when he was coming out of high school. He had four Division One wide receivers. Every time he went to a seven on seven camp, he had eight Division One wide receivers playing on his team. He was set up to succeed. Everything was snowplowed. Everything was paved for him to succeed. And I think part of the problem with Jake, and I, I, listen, there's a lot of people out there that know him, and I know that he's a good person. I'm not, I'm not going after him personally. But I think that the first time that he felt real adversity was when he was in college, and I thought that was problematic. I do think he was talented. I do think that he had all the skills. But I think putting all these players around a quarterback to make him look good and to make him his him his most the most recruitable possible doesn't always build the moxie and the mental toughness that you need to play that position. It is a tough position. I don't care if you're at a G five school in the middle of Toledo, Ohio, playing quarterback is a position that's criticized and if you don't have that intestinal fortitude to handle it, it, it's, it can get you. It can get you down. It can get you in a bad place, and it can affect your play. How relieved were you to see your Aggies win a game? And are they going to win a second or third one? Air Force and CSU don't appear to be all that. I, 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 listen, I felt good about it as, as, a, as, a, as an alum, as a former quarterback there. You just like to see them win, and and you know there's there's everybody out there like well it's just New Mexico and nobody saw it and you know if a tree falls in the woods does it really happen? Yes, it does, and yes, it matters, and it matters to those kids, and a lot of those guys that are in the program that they they've put a lot of blood and sweat and tears into the program, and they're they're to be commended for winning a Division One football game in a less than desirable situation. That's that's a tough situation to play in. And it's going to be tough for the last two. I think they're going to get one more win. I feel like the enthusiasm and the energy on the team is good. I feel like Frank Miley's done a great job of of running the troops in in a very tough situation. And I think they'll get one more. I, I don't know why. I just it's my gut feeling that they're going to win one of these two. So when they won that game, you saw some of the players uh, run up to Frank as he was crossing the field to go do the post-game deal with uh, Gonzalez and the Mexico coach. 
How much do you read into that if you're the athletic director? Okay, these guys really like him. They're playing hard for him. But also not get caught up in the immediacy of the moment as far as is that best for the program long term? Well, I think you have to read into it. I think you have to look at that. I think you have to observe that. And I think that's certainly part of the puzzle and part of the picture that goes into hiring your next coach. You know, I think in a lot of ways, Frank Miley has a great opportunity to kind of just like, you know, audition for the job. He's the one who has the reins. He can pull the levers. He can do the things that he needs to do to kind of keep the pro keep the program in a, in a respectable place. And if he makes a good enough argument here, he can be the guy that gets hired. But I think there's a whole, there's a whole slew of other things that goes into hiring a new coach. I don't know what those are. I don't know what um, John Hartwell feels like are the most important things. But he's been doing it for a long time, and he has very, very capable people on his staff to help him to choose the next coach at Utah State University. And I don't know. I just I feel good about the program. I don't. I I, I kind of live by the the phrase. It's never as bad as it seems, and it's never as good as it gets. I just I don't think it's as bad as everybody thinks it is up there. Riley, we appreciate a few minutes as always, and we will talk to you again next week. Thanks, guys. I freaking love your show. Thanks for letting me be on.